Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen. And just like Philip said now, what we do when we love someone is we give. We give. And that is exactly what God did. Amen. Amen. Who did God give? How did God give? Who can tell me? He gave His only begotten Son. The scripture says that God in Christ came to this world and He died for our sins on the cross and then He rose after three days. He gave His life. John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no man than this. Greater love has no man than this. That a man may lay down his life for his friends. For his friends. Amen. I want to ask each and every one of you here this morning. Do you see Jesus as your friend? Do you realize that he calls you his friend? Whether you know it or not. I want you guys to meditate on that. What does it mean that Jesus calls me his friend? That's, that's amazing to me. That's beautiful. Meditate on that a little bit. But now we are going to release the children to go to Kids Church. Thank you to all the Kids Church teachers. We really appreciate you. Thank you for what you are doing. And please remember to count them. <laughs> awesome. Don't lose anyone. Alright, so today we are going to talk about freedom. Freedom. What does it mean to be free? What does it mean to be free? What, what does freedom mean for you? Peter. What does free, what do you think it means to be free, just in general? Salvation. Salvation. You gave the right, <laughs> the deeper answer. Amen. Freedom. And what does it mean to be physically free? Like, if if I'm not talking to a Christian audience, if I'm not talking to you guys here at church, and I go out and I ask someone, what does it mean to be free or not to be free? What do you think would the answer be? be free in a physical sense. To be free means that you can do whatever you want, right? You can do whatever you want, when you want to do it, whatever you want to do. Uh, you can go wherever you please. You are not captured or imprisoned. No? You are not sitting in a prison where you are told when to eat, when to sleep, where to move. You are free. You have opportunities that you can take if you are free. Yeah? You can do you can do absolutely anything if you have the resources for it as well. Yeah? Anything you can physically do, you can do if you are free. If you are a captive, you can only do what is allowed you to do. You can only do what you are allowed to do. The opposite of freedom is captivity. To be a captive. Right? 
om een gevangene te wees. Dit is wat die teenoorgestelde van vrij beteken. Teenoorgestelde van vrij is om een gevangene te wees. In modern times, the only time you are not free is when you are in jail. Or if you are kidnapped. If someone kidnapped you, then they, they bound you. Then you are not free. The Bible was written in a time when captivity and slavery was an everyday thing. When one nation made war and conquered another nation, they would take captives. And then they would sell those people into slavery. Or those people that they took captive would work for, for the other nation as slaves in their households. But the freedom I want to talk about today and that you already mentioned is not physical freedom but being free spiritually and free in our minds. Yeah? The Bible also talks about freedom from captivity and slavery in a spiritual sense. The Apostle Paul, in many of his letters uh, to the church, used the idea of freedom and captivity and slavery to explain a very powerful spiritual truth. So the scripture that I want us to go look at this morning is Luke 4, Luke 4 verse 14 to 20. Luke 4 verse 14 to 20. And if you have a Bible, please open up your Bible there. This is uh, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Um, Jesus uh, went to John the Baptist and John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And he sees uh, the Holy Spirit come down on Jesus like a dove. And uh, a voice from heaven says, this is my dearly loved son. And he brings me great joy. And then Jesus goes into the desert and he is tempted by the devil for 40 days. Um, so this is at, at the very start of Jesus' ministry. And after the 40 days he goes and we read from Luke 4 verse 14. And it says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Okay, so Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, goes back to his hometown and he starts preaching in their synagogues. A synagogue is a church like this. It's a place where the Jews gathered to talk about God. And uh, he taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. So everyone liked him. And then in verse 16 it says, When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. Verse 17, The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. To bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. And that the blind will see. That the oppressed will be set free. 
and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That's, that was great news for the Jews in that time. He rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, uh, because they were waiting for him now to, to, to speak. Then he began to speak to them and he, he said, The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. So this must have been quite an amazing moment for them. No? Quite an amazing moment. Jesus was in his hometown as usually went to the synagogue or to the church where they met. And everyone in the town knew who Jesus was. No? Think about this. He grew up in front of those people. No? He, grew, he grew up in front of them. They knew who his father and his mother was. They saw him in the synagogue whenever they gathered. Remember, Jesus is now approximately 30 years old. So they were seeing Jesus every uh, Saturday. Saturday is their Sabbath day. So that is when they gathered in the synagogue. They saw him every Saturday in the synagogue. They, he grew up in front of them. Uh, and I'm sure he spoke many times in the synagogue as well. Um, in, in their eyes, he was just a good young man, a normal man, like, like me and you. He did not float on a cloud wherever he went. He walked. He had to sleep. He had to eat. Just like a normal person. He didn't have light shining out of him all the time. Amen. He was just a normal person like you and me sitting here today and then he comes and he, he sits down or he stands up and he reads a, a prophecy that is 700 years old before before Jesus came on the scene before he was born 700 years ago Isaiah the prophet wrote this <coughs> prophecy 700 years before Jesus and he says this scripture has been fulfilled in this moment and I am the fulfillment. Think about that. Think about that. What if I came here today, you all know me, or maybe not me, let's say someone you know from a long time. Peter maybe. Peter comes in and he, and he sits down and he reads this scripture and he says, Oh guys, this is, by the way, this is talking about me. I'm God. Hello. What would we do? We think this man is crazy. Huh? <laughs> And I just love to imagine situations like this. Um, later in the scripture, Jesus says a few things that upset them. And all of a sudden, they, they got so angry that they wanted to kill him by throwing him off a cliff. Because they only saw him as a man, they would not believe that he is anything more. And therefore, Jesus could not make them free. I don't, know, I don't want to read the whole thing because I want to focus on what he said from Isaiah 61. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Can Jesus set you free? Do you believe that Jesus can set you free of your sin? Yes. I know that yes is the right answer. But do you believe it? Amen. Do you believe it? Or do you think your problems are too big for Him? Do you think your addiction is too strong for Jesus? That is a question that, that each of us need to answer for ourselves. And yes, the answer is yes. You can. But many times we think that our, our, our little problems, 
Jesus can't do that for me. My problem is too big. I, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. Why would he help me? No? But the answer is yes. Jesus can set you free. But let's, let's go on for, for now. Uh, Jesus was quote, quoting a scripture, a very well-known prophecy to the Jews. They would read this prophecy in expectancy of a promised Savior. This is what, uh, and, oh, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. This was a very well-known prophecy that the Jews knew very well. A Savior promised to them by God through the ages and by many other prophets. No? It is the king from the line of Judah promised to them by God, the one God would use to free them and rule them forever. But they were thinking about there now for themselves. Yeah? They were thinking God, uh, that this Messiah that was being promised, this king, would be for them, for their time, to set up an earthly kingdom to, to, to overthrow the, the Romans who were in that time uh, ruling over Israel and to set up an, an Israeli kingdom. Okay? So they were thinking about earthly things. They were not heavenly minded. They were thinking about earthly things. They were thinking about themselves now for that time. But we know that Jesus came with a much greater purpose. Amen? Amen. His purpose was for eternity. Not just a, a short little earthly kingdom. For there and then. His kingdom would stand forever. Amen. And the scriptures actually say that. Let's look at the whole scripture from Isaiah 61. Uh, let's look at the whole scripture from Isaiah 61. From the New King James Version I'm going to read. And I want you to keep your finger there. At Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. So this scripture was written by Isaiah the prophet 700 years before Jesus came. And Jesus fulfilled the scripture to the letter. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. And He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty, that means to proclaim freedom to the captives. And opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the day of vengeance of our God. Just until there for now. Keep your finger there. Jesus knew that he was chosen and sent by God to bring freedom to all people. To all people, not just for the Jews. Amen. Even though Jesus did heal people. He did make the blind to see. He did drive out demons. And make people free in his, in his own lifetime. This, that freedom is not what this scripture is talking about. Okay. It's talking about salvation. As, as Peter said. Once we are free in that way. We can start experiencing freedom in the physical. Once we are free spiritually, that's what salvation is. Once we are free spiritually, 
we can start experiencing it in the physical world. Or let me rather say that um, that life and freedom, health and prosperity can only start flowing once we have been set free spiritually. Everything we see in the natural world started in the spiritual. Therefore we can only uh, see true change in the physical if there has been a change in the spiritual. Okay. But why do we why did we need a savior? Why do we need a savior? Why did Jesus have to come? Because he is a savior, you know? Does anybody know? Why did Jesus have to come? Why do we need a savior? He died for our sins. The problem was that the sin, no? The problem was the sin. The reality is that all people are poor, broken-hearted, captive, and bound. Think about that. Everyone are poor, broken-hearted, captive, and bound. Those are words that describe our spiritual condition. Apart from God, we are broken, captive, poor, and spiritually we are dead. Those are words that describe our spiritual condition apart from God. Jesus came to be our Savior because we need a Savior. Jesus came to be our Savior because we need a Savior. Because, uh, most importantly, He wanted to, to save us and make us free. People that are bound, people that are slaves, people that are in captivity need a Savior. You understand? It's pretty straightforward. So keep your finger in Isaiah 61 and go to Romans 3 verse 9. Romans 3 verse 9. This is a, a very powerful scripture. Romans 3 verse 9. <coughs> Romans 3 verse 9. Says, Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, how many people? All. all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. What, is, what does righteous mean? No one is righteous. No, not even one. Sinless. sinless. No one is sinless. We all have sin. Amen? No one is right with God. That is what Paul is saying here. No one is truly wise. Verse 11 says, No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. That is the, the condition of the world. Don't you agree? Yes. If we look at how the world looks out there, this is an excellent description, a description of it. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, 
the law applies to those whom it was to whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses this is the law the ten commandments that he's talking about it keeps people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty guilty before God it doesn't matter whether you are a Jew or a Greek whether you are rich or poor where you work what you do if you're a preacher like me or if you whatever you do if you're out if you don't have a work if you it doesn't matter who you are this was was me and you this is what what the world looked like all people are under the power of sin no one is righteous or good no one is seeking God no one fears him Paul says that the law was given to show that the entire world is guilty before God no one is free amen that is the spiritual condition of the world that is the spiritual condition of every person that has not Jesus in their hearts amen Thank goodness it's different for us. If you believe, that has changed. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, Ephesians 2 verse 1. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. We were dead. Amen. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Listen to that. The devil is the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Wow, I know this sounds a little depressing there, but I'm going to get to the good parts. I'm just showing you that we are all evil. If you believe, you're not evil anymore, okay? <laughs> but this is the condition of man. This is the condition of every man and woman that does not have Jesus in their life. Amen. And if you, haven't if you haven't decided to believe in Jesus yet, don't feel bad because I'm going to give you some good news today. Okay. Hallelujah. Yeah, in Ephesians, Paul, Paul says that we were just being obedient to the one who was our master, the devil. All of us were just following the desires and the tendencies of our sinful nature. If you don't believe in Jesus... You, have, you don't have His Spirit on the inside of you. Whose Spirit do you have? You have the Spirit of the devil inside of you. You are being controlled by your sinful nature. It is so clear to see, if you look at the condition the world is in, almost every day we hear about crime and murder and all sorts of bad things. It is because the world has been taken captive. The world has been taken captive. By Satan. He has enslaved the hearts of people to all kinds of things. Amen. Amen. I was enslaved too once. We all were. We all were struggling with things. 
I love how this song in the beginning says, Bring your addictions to the foot of the cross. Because Jesus is waiting there. Amen. Because He takes it away. I read these verses to show you that all people need a Savior. Everyone needs Jesus. No one has an excuse. No one can say, no, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I don't cheat and steal and do all of these things like this guy. And then we compare ourselves with other people. It doesn't help to compare. God doesn't compare. He doesn't compare people. He looks at your life. He looks at your life. Amen. Amen. He looks at your life and He loves you, by the way. He loves you. And that is why He came to die for you. <clears throat> Can a prisoner and a slave free himself? Can a prisoner free himself? No. No, they can't. I know in the movies they like to show how the guy is a prisoner and then he opens up his... his uh, is uh, what do you call it? Cuffs. Handcuffs with a toothpick or something. That's not real, eh? That's, that doesn't work for my uh, example here. A slave and a captive cannot free themselves. They need a savior. But don't get anxious now, okay? Because the savior has come. The savior has come. Don't feel that I'm condemning you today. The savior has come. Alright, we just need to accept Him. Back to Isaiah 61. Back to Isaiah 61. I told you to keep your finger there. Because we are going to read through the whole Isaiah 61 today. But I'm not going to look at every single verse. So you, you won't uh, get out of here at 5 o'clock tonight. We're just going to look at certain points. Isaiah 61 says, uh, I continue to read from verse 2. <coughs> verse 2 said, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. And then he continues, To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When Jesus quoted the first part of this prophecy in Isaiah 61, the Jews that were listening to him, they knew what he was talking about. Because they knew these prophecies very well. They were constantly waiting for this promised king to come. No? They were constantly waiting. So they knew everything. He just quoted the first part. But they knew the rest. They knew the rest. <clears throat> they knew the entire chapter. Look at what this verse is saying. He will comfort those who mourn. You will take their ashes and give them beauty. You will give them the oil of joy and the garment of praise. What they have is heaviness. And mourning and ashes. What is mourning? It's this row, ne? This row. Om te row oor iemand. Om te row oor iets wat jy gedoen het. Okay, to, to mourn over something, to mourn over sin. 
That is what this scripture is actually, these verses are actually pointing to. <clears throat> In old times when Israel sinned and turned back to God, they would tear their clothes, they would put on burlap clothes. Weet jy wat is brain material wat so grof is? Sackcloth. Sackcloth, yes. Sackcloth, they would make, they would make clothes of sackcloth for special occasions when they want to show that they are sorry about their sins. So they would put on burlap clothes and they would throw ashes on their heads and they would cry. And that was how they repented in those days. So what these verses in Isaiah 61 is actually talking about is repentance. How cool is that? He says he will comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So they are repenting. And what he promises here is, I will comfort you. I will give you beauty for the oil of joy. In other words, he's talking about forgiveness. Amen. He's talking about forgiveness. That is who it and I die Joel 2 verse 12 Joel 2 verse 12 is uh, another Old Testament prophet Amen <laughs> The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me Joel 2 verse 12 Even now declares the Lord Return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning there we hear the word mourning again. Eh? Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. This is beautiful actually. I shouldn't read it that fast. Return to the Lord your God, <coughs> for He is gracious. Amen. Here word says, God is God is liefdevol. He is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and He is abounding in love. Wow. He is abounding in love and He relents from sending calamity. So what it is saying here in Isaiah is that when we repent, when we turn to Jesus for help, I want you to pay close attention to what I'm saying. He will save us. He will save you and He will forgive you. That is what His Word says. It is talking about repenting and turning back to God. And the Scripture says He will bring comfort, beauty and joy. That's talking of the forgiveness that Jesus would bring. Remember, this is a prophecy that speaks of things that was going to happen. Né? And this time when this prophecy was written, it didn't happen yet. Only 700 years later, Jesus came. And he fulfilled the prophecy, okay? <clears throat> and Jesus fulfilled the prophecy. And forgiveness is now available for anyone who repents. For anyone who will just acknowledge their need for Jesus. And when I'm saying repent here, I'm talking about that, in, like, that first time that you choose to believe in Jesus. Okay, when you become born again. Alright? From, from that point on forwards, we repent by changing the way that we think. We, we read the word, we receive from Jesus, 
and we take that truth and we replace the lie that we believe with the truth. Okay. He goes on in Isaiah. He goes on in Isaiah and it says that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Wow. Listen to those words. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Jesus' purpose was to make us into trees of righteousness. Amen. New trees planted by Him. The oil of joy and the garment of praise all belong to us. Mm. All of these things point to the new creation that we become when He saves us. He makes us righteous. To be made righteous is to be made right in God's sight. Amen. Do you know today that you are right in God's sight? Do you know that? Amen. I am. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I want to look each of every one of you in the eyes and I want you to know this. You are right in God's sight. Come on. Amen. That means something to me. I hope it means something to you as well. Amen. You are right in God's sight. Peter, you are right in God's sight. Amen. What's your wife's name again? What's her name? Nicolene. You are right in God's sight. He loves you. Amen. You are right in God's sight. There is nothing that you can do to change that Thank if you have Jesus. believed in Him. You are right in God's sight. Thank you, Jesus. He makes us right with Him. We cannot make ourselves right. We cannot make ourselves right because He makes us right. The slave cannot free himself. The Savior needs to free the slave. Amen. Amen. We go back to Isaiah. Verse 4. It says, And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations. Desolation means complete destruction. Desolation means complete destruction. Of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. This is a good this is this is positive, okay? They will rebuild what has been broken. He will restore what has been desolated, what has been completely ruined, completely destroyed. And then he says that strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. In other words, you will have servants. No? And the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. I did not look at the meaning of every verse. It would keep us busy until tonight if we had to go verse by verse. But notice how all of these verses talk about something that is being made new. Something is being made new. Mm -hmm. They are talking about restoration. Everything was destroyed broken, ruined, and now it is being made new. Verse 6 stood out to me again. Isaiah 61 verse 6. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you servants of our God. Wow. For me it's amazing to read these words in an Old Testament prophecy. You shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. When Jesus saves us and makes us free, He gives 
our lives great purpose. Amen. Great purpose. The Apostle Peter refers to the same truth in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. Royal means kingly. You are part of the king's family. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. That's beautiful. You belong to God. You are His very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. That's beautiful. We have been called out of darkness, guys, into God's light. Once you have had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. <laughs> That's beautiful. How awesome is it that He takes us from being completely lost, completely hopeless, completely sinner, completely just nowhere, in darkness, hopeless. He takes us. And He puts us into His marvelous kingdom. He makes us part of His royal family. His kingly family. And He makes us His priests. And I love how it says, Holy. Holy priests. A holy nation. His own possession. Just think about that. Taking something that doesn't deserve it at all. Something that everyone else would reject. Anything. Yes. Yeah. Something that is completely worthless in the eyes of the world. And He takes us out of that. And He gives us everything. Everything. And He, he sets us up so beautifully that we are part of His kingly family. Holy people. From being filthy sinner to being completely, completely holy. If you have believed, that is you. That is you if you have believed. You are a holy priest to God. That is, that is, for me, that's, that's amazing. We just have to meditate on that and let it sink in. And that action of saving us from our condition and putting us into this new wonderful life, that's, that just shows me God's grace. God's grace and His mercy. It's 100% God. And 0% of you. 0% your effort. Amen? Amen. It's all Him. Our purpose, now that we are holy priests for God, our purpose is to show people how good God is. Amen? Amen. You are so quiet. Maybe, maybe my facial expression is, uh, doesn't make you excited, but I, these words, they, they stir something in me. You're so overwhelmed by the goodness of God. I Speechless. Amen. Because I can say that I was there. Me too, yeah. And I couldn't do anything, honestly. <laughs> I was hopeless. What does it mean to be hopeless? 
You can't do anything. You can't do anything to save yourself. It's just gone. We need to start realizing that. That it's everything that we get from Him is grace and mercy. Amen. Amen. Let me go on. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 5 verse 17. 1 Corinthians 5 17. <clears throat> uh, while you page there. And I compose myself. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you new people here? Any, all the new people say, Oh, or something. <laughs> First. Oh, is it? Is it second? Okay. Correction. Thank you. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. My computer lied to me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. But JB, I don't feel like a new person. I still want to do bad things. That is your flesh. That is the old you that is programmed here inside your head that still wants to do the bad things. If you look deep enough, you'll, you'll realize that you don't really want to do those things. Amen? We need to start believing this truth. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And we have to believe this, guys. Many times it doesn't feel like this. It doesn't, honestly, it doesn't feel like everything is new. I feel exactly like I felt yesterday. But the truth is that we are new. Amen. The truth is that a new life has begun. Amen. And all of this is a gift from God. What is it? It is a gift from God. Do you have to pay for a gift? No. No, it's free. Who brought you back? Oh, sorry. Uh, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. Who brought us back? God, I didn't bring myself back. No? He brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. What does that mean? No longer counting people's sin against them. That means that if you do something wrong, that sin is not counted towards you. It is as if you didn't do it. Amen. In the kingdom, not here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If you steal, you steal. You go yeah, to you're going to go to jail if you steal. But in God's eyes, in His kingdom, you are completely holy. Jesus paid for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Amen. There was one sacrifice for all time. Amen. He's not going to come back to die again for your for your mistakes. No? 
He's no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak as Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. That's also very important. Christ never sinned. He was made to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's beautiful. This is the truth that Isaiah 61 is pointing to. Isaiah is pointing to the new creations that would become, that we become when Jesus saves us and sets us free. When you believe in Jesus, when you put your faith and trust in Him, he makes you a completely new tree, a tree of righteousness. This is something that only God can do. Many times we think we can change ourselves. Many times we think we can change ourselves. Have you ever tried? Have you ever tried changing yourself? Did I succeed? No. We can't succeed. It is not long before you realize that you can't save yourself. Nothing changed. Only God can change the heart of a man Amen. and a woman. But we have to first stop trying ourselves and like a captive say, Lord, I know that you saved me. Help me. All of this is a gift from God. And as we said, a gift is free. It's completely free. Amen. Also, this was the first time that I saw the scripture in this way. Notice how Paul explains that we are a new creation. And then directly after that, he goes to our purpose. Directly after that, in verse 20, Paul talks about the purpose that we now have. As royal priests, a holy nation. Our purpose is to call other people back to God. And that is what the privilege that we had here today. Amen. We are holy priests and our ministry is to call people back to God. Back to Isaiah. Verse 6. You shall eat the richness of the Gentiles and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Amen. Instead of the shame of your sin, instead of the shame of your past, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, uh, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth. And I will make, an, will make with them an everlasting covenant. This is an Old Testament verse. No? Amen. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. Here we see once again a reference to the salvation that was coming. Ezekiel explains to us what that covenant is. Ezekiel 36 verse 26. Ezekiel 36 verse 26 and 27. And then 37 verse 26. But just listen. It's there. This is beautiful. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit 
will I put within you. This is an Old Testament verse. It's beautiful. That it would talk about a new spirit. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. And it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. Sure. This is such a beautiful prophecy and explanation of the new covenant. But what I want to bring to your attention is that God is the one who performs this operation. This heart transplant that he talks about here. He is the one who will remove the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. The heart of stone refers to the sinful nature that we talked about earlier. A heart of stone is cold and dead. It cannot pump blood. A clipper can't blood pump it. It is like the heart of a corpse. When we believe Jesus comes and when we believe, sorry, when we believe Jesus comes and he removes this heart of stone and he gives us a heart, a new heart, which is his spirit. And his spirit in us makes us alive and changes our sinful desires and gives us great purpose. Amen. Amen. A new heart. Isaiah 61, once again, verse 9. We're almost done. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. We are blessed. You don't have to look for blessing. You don't have to beg God to bless you. You are blessed. Jy is geseend. Sê, ek is geseend. Ek is geseend. Ek like hoe jy het sê, Pieter. Ek is geseend. We are blessed. Amen. Believe it. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he, oh this is beautiful, listen to this. Ne? For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. <laughs> what does that make you think about? The, the story of the prodigal son, yeah. where the son returns? No. How much clearer could a prophecy be? The garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness both point to God making us right with Him. It points to His Spirit. Galatians 6 verse 26 for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All who have been united with Christ in baptism, that is talking about believing in Christ, it's not talking about water baptism, eh? United with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. This is what Isaiah uh, 61 is talking about. Putting on Christ. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are children of God by, our, by faith in Christ. 
not works or performance. By faith we have put on Christ like new clothes. He gives us these new clothes. You can't buy them anywhere else. You can only get them free from Jesus. Amen. Uh, it was Galatians 6 verse 26. Galatians 6. And my, my computer was lying to me again. <laughs> I don't know where I got that verse. You are all my children. Sorry, no. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ. Verse 27. And all... Maybe it's 5 verse 26. I'm not sure. I copied... I googled the verse and then I pasted it in my notes. 5 goes to verse 26. There must not be desirous of being blind. Okay, I will, I will Google it later and then I'll give you the right one. Unless someone else can find it. Okay. We are all children of God through faith in Christ. That's important. Philippians 3 verse 9. And it starts in the half of a sentence. It says, And become one with Him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. So, how are we saved? Through? Faith. Faith in Christ. For God's way of making us is Philippians 3 verse 9. Philippians. Sorry, just Galatians 3 verse 26. Yeah. Oh, is it 3 verse 26? Okay. Galatians 3 verse 26. Yeah, thank you, Emily. Um, okay, how are we made right with God? By faith in Christ. Many people resist and stay away from God and the church because they think they are not clean or holy enough. They think that they first need to get their lives in order before God will accept them. I first need to stop this and stop doing that. Yeah. That is what we call trying to be right with God through your own performance. That is your own righteousness. Your own righteousness cannot save you. Only His righteousness can. The truth is we cannot clean ourselves up. We cannot make ourselves holy enough for God. We cannot free ourselves from slavery and death. Only Jesus could do that and did do that if you believe. Okay, we're finishing off back to Isaiah 61. It says, As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, and as the garden causes things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. That's beautiful. And I believe that's talking about Jesus. Amen. As a bride adorns himself with the jewels, as the earth brings forth its bud, that means like its plants, its flowers, as the garden causes things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, 
we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca.